following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Mick Shots, streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. It's time for another edition of Mix Shots, and it's a fabulous Tuesday inside the SWBC Mortgage Studios there at the Star in Frisco. That's where Mickey Spagnola has just arrived for the show, and Everson Walls in his customary spot with the picture of Everson behind him in his home office. I'm in my home office as well as uh, we put the wraps on Atlanta and look forward to Seattle. As Seahawk Week is about to officially begin on Wednesday. And, Mickey, you arrived just in time for your own show. I'm proud of you. Had a lot of stuff to do, you know. I got one more than one master, and we needed to do a couple TV things, and I cut it a little close. But uh, I guess I can get to my lunch that's sitting over there a little later. Uh, Much later. It. 45 yeah. minutes later. 45 okay. minutes, there, huh? There Gotta you make go. it. <laughs> we do have breaks, you know, though, we don't we? We certainly didn't. Yeah, don't try doing the breaks. <laughs> Might be something in your teeth when we come back. You, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Spare us all, please, Mickey. All right, uh, we, there was so much to get to yesterday. 45 minutes couldn't contain us, and so there's carryover today. And um, first off, Mickey, uh, got any breaking news out there at the Star in Frisco? Anything on your mind to get kick things off? Well, um, you know, it sounded like uh, it was encouraging what Jerry Jones had to say this morning about Tyron Smith's uh, potential availability for the game on Sunday. Uh, that certainly would help the cause instead of having to sign uh, to uh, start two undrafted offensive tackles the way they did this past Sunday and somehow, some way, got away with it to score 40 points uh, with uh, Terrence Steele and, and Brandon Knight starting at, at, at the tackle position. So uh, I think from a, I don't know if that's news or not. Uh, and I guess the other news we found out last night that uh, what uh, Greg Zerline did for the onside kick is called a watermelon kick. <laughs> watermelon Great name! Kick. I love that. I love that. And yeah. John Fossil looks kind of like a. John Fossil explained the name because you lay the ball down on the ground like a watermelon, uh, and if you if you kind of push a watermelon it usually spins side to side like that so they named it the watermelon kick ah, I like that I love I love watermelon yeah, that is good I like that. That, that is I that's, want that guy can say is, uh, as Greg Zerline no explained on the Cowboys no hour last up. night with Brad yeah, Shim no it's something sense at all. that they, they ever talk about uh, uh, <laughs> the fact that the entire kickoff team had zero idea that they could pick up the ball, they could pick up that watermelon before it went 10 yards? Did they even address that fact? <laughs> did you say Atlanta or the Cowboys? No, did Atlanta talk about the oh, fact that... Oh, they did, that, and, and, I mean, did and, anyone and talk Dan to Atlanta? Quinn, 
Dan Quinn said that they they absolutely knew that they could do that, that that was not a, uh, a coaching error. Uh, I think everybody probably <laughs> got cold they knew. They got cold feet that they didn't want to be the one to jump on the ball and not recover it. But I'm thinking you could have just had three guys jump on it and, and uh, recover the ball before it got to 10 yards. Well, the way they played, uh, just the way that everything came down, especially in that last drive, when you look at it, it was just chaos all the way around, uh, even from the, the official's standpoint. Uh, you remember the Gallup play? Uh, of course we did, you know, where, uh, what they say, uh, one butt cheek equals two feet. Right. Uh, <laughs> at first, <laughs> at first the, uh, it was called uh, incomplete. The referee was emphatic. He was waving it off out of bounds. And then, of course, the penalty came. And after that, they changed the call on the reception, on the, 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 the incomplete, to a completed call, which offered a little bit of confusion, but also uh, gave the Cowboys options in regards to how they wanted to treat the penalty versus the reception. So I'm trying to figure out who came over and talked the, um, the uh, referee out of uh, calling that an incomplete to a completed pass. Did you, did you do any research on that, Spags? Well, they huddled up. So um, I, I guess they got together. But it got reviewed, didn't, right? Didn't he challenge it? Right, right. So, but so, in, so what initially, you would not, they, initially, we would have had to challenge, yes, correct? Yes, exactly. Because they had called it out initially. Uh, it called it incomplete. And so, and Mickey, to me, I thought that was a little bit of unnecessary confusion in a very uh, frantic uh, two minutes. And, Mickey, you were at the game, right? Yes. Yeah, so you, you saw the officials huddle up. For those of us watching on television, I don't think they showed the officials huddling up prior to the referee making the, the call, the announcement of the call. But, yeah, the back judge, obviously, he ruled it incomplete and I just assume that they must be huddling up for them to change it and the side judge or whoever uh, felt like he had a better view of it and after they huddled and then that put the the onus on Atlanta to challenge the call and so the Falcons then challenged it and on review you couldn't uh, I mean it, it didn't matter either way if uh, if they would have ruled it incomplete I believe uh, the review would not have changed the call because it was too close to call. There wasn't enough evidence there. And so, as it was, since the call on the field was that it was a good catch, there wasn't enough evidence on the, on the video, on the review. But it was, it was a good move by Atlanta to challenge it because you don't know for sure uh, what, kind, what you're going to get on the replay. But uh, that was a huge play of the game for the Cowboys and a huge call, as it turns out, for them to, to get together and, in uh, the Cowboy fans' opinion, get the call right, right? Yeah, absolutely, because well, if you think only, about it, the play, that, started, the play started at the 43 and it ended up at the 5, so that, that, that's a huge uh, play in the game. Uh, and then uh, the Cowboys uh, did have the choice, though, uh, because there was a holding call, a defensive holding call, which would have only been five yards and a first down. So, uh, yeah, I, I would have taken the, what, 37, 38-yard uh, completion. But they did have a confab. Well, not on, not, and there was four of them all together before they made the decision to say, yeah, it was complete. 
Well, and you know, it made it, it made it, uh, what made it even more frantic was they had just called the penalty on C.D. Lamb for the right. crackback block. Exactly. So it got, a, you know, everybody was kind of flipping out, you know, in the stadium as well as uh, in our respective homes because, of course, things were extremely intense. We were looking at having to do two scores at that time. And uh, it's almost as if, you know, the referees were trying to take the game away from us. So you had two, I still call them controversial calls, right there. Uh, doing an extremely uh, important part of the ball game. Yeah, because if you think about it, the, the 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 completion to Noah Brown was down to the 15-yard line, uh, and 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 then uh, not only did you uh, get penalty, you, you know, you you lost that completion, but then you got you got uh, the penalty on him in force too, and it backed him up all the way to the 43. Uh, so yeah, that was a, a significant. A little sequence there on on calls, but you know what I, I've noticed uh, watching all these games over the uh, first two weeks, the the officials need preseason. By the way, oh man, there's a you lot of problems. Stags. There's been a lot of problems. <laughs> oh man, it has been horrible. Let's let's call it. They have had some of the most well, not just what they what they have called. There are the calls that they did not make that almost makes as big a difference. Uh, this has been uh, extremely unusual for the referees to where I'm surprised that that story has not been written more often, Spags. That title, I have not seen that title in any stories in any publication, but the referees at this point, I would be giving them maybe a C-plus in all of the games that I've seen and the mistakes that have been made and the calls that have been missed, a C-plus at best. And, you know, the, 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 they have a hard enough time calling interference one way or the other. Now it, it's even worse uh, because the, the, some of the calls they're making are, are, are so ticky-tack, it's almost like, okay, let's hurry up, let's call that, right, and instead of kind of seeing the thing through. And, and now that you can't challenge uh, the interference anymore, uh, it, boy, it makes it doubly hard to uh, take some of these calls. So yeah, they they needed preseason. And here's the other thing, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I I saw where some of the officials opted out, like the guys that normally would be doing these jobs uh, decided that they didn't want to do it this year uh, in this pandemic season. And, and so now you got a lot of new guys, and there seems to be a lot of new head referees out there that the, the names don't seem to be recognizable that we're used to seeing. <laughs> That's right. Well, the other well, the other thing that's happened is uh, even over the last couple of years, there's been some veteran officials who have retired as well, uh, unrelated to COVID this year. And so there's some new uh, new blood out there. And um, yeah, let, let me ask you something, Bill. Uh, uh, and I really, Spags as well, do the referees still go around to each training camp site and talk about the new rules coming into play and what they're going to emphasize with each team? Uh, I remember that was a uh, very unusual meeting between the teams and the refs, especially if you're like the Saints, uh, who uh, were really cheated out of that Rams game a couple of years ago, you know, when you see the referees in training camp, 
you know, the guys involved, the coaches, the, the, the quarterbacks, the receivers, DBs, whatever, they're going to have their notes ready for those group of referees, and they're going to take them to task in regards to the calls that they made last year at their team and how they're going to change or, you know, adjust for the following season. That's a yearly thing. comes up every training camp. I was wondering if they did that this year with the referees visiting every campsite. Everson, yes, they, they do. Uh, they do do that every year. And I guarantee you the year after the Saints uh, and that controversial call that sent the Rams to the Super Bowl, I guarantee you that the crew that worked that game did not go to the Saints training camp <laughs> to advise them on the rules the following year. I guarantee you that. I, that would have been a very strategic move by the NFL. That crew is not going the next training camp to talk to the Saints players about the rules. Uh, and I assume, Mickey, that this year they did that by via uh, a virtual uh, yeah, clinic, basically, they did, they did uh, not via do WebEx it, or Zoom, right? They did not do it in person, absolutely. They, they, whatever uh, the officials needed to tell the players the, in a team meeting, they, they did that virtually. They, they did not travel. I'm, I'm sure uh, the referees things. were extremely happy. I'm sure the referees were extremely happy that they did not meet with the players face-to-face -face this particular season because... Uh, that gives them a break. You have players waiting on these referees, especially DBs like myself, always upset about PI calls that uh, affected maybe a person's career, definitely the game itself. So uh, I'm sure that they were all feeling pretty safe while they were doing their Zoom calls and, and WebEx calls and not having to meet up with face-to-face uh, -face with coaches and upset players who've been really, uh, they've been uh, uh, holding on to those uh, grievances for about six months. So some of them, that, that, that uh, frustration, pent up frustration for about six months before they could talk to these referees. And I know the refs were like, not this year, thank goodness. Yeah, now one thing, they, they also instituted uh, to cut down on the travel for the officials that they tried to get them uh, to do games in their area, their region, region. Where, where they mm -hmm. live. As a matter of fact, uh, the field judge for this game was former Cowboys defensive back uh, Nate Jones. Uh, he, he was able to, he, Whoa. Was, he was one of the officials. <laughs> yeah, Nate, Nate went to... Uh, That's know, cool. He, he, he started off, uh, you know, in the lower ranks of college and kind of moved up and uh, did the, um, the training thing one preseason. Uh, with the NFL doing preseason games. He was kind of in that training program. And uh, I believe it was last year was his first year to uh, actually officiate games. And he was the, he was the field judge uh, in this game here on Sunday. Nice. You know, uh, Mickey, you talked about uh, Tyron Smith and the encouraging news, it appears, as this week begins, that maybe he'll be able to play against Seattle. But, you know, and Mike McCarthy was asked about the two tackles, Brandon Knight at left tackle and Terrence Steele at right tackle at his press conference yesterday, and he said they did good. Uh, I, you know, just evidence that the Cowboys threw, had 48 pass plays in that game against Atlanta, and Dak Prescott only got sacked one time. Who would have thought that would be the case? And, of course, that was very early in the game, that one sack occurred. Uh, who would be, think that that would be the case, that this team would put up 40 points – 
and the quarterback would get sacked only one time with two tackles who are starting, making their, uh, for both of them, their second career starts, and both of them were college free agents, uh, one in their second year in the league and the other a rookie. How about that? I, I think that was the most uh, unbelievable part of this game, maybe next to the comeback. But the comeback couldn't have taken place without those guys doing something. Now, they weren't perfect. Uh, and, and, you know, they certainly were attacking uh, those guys. And really the one sack that did occur was that I believe it was the, the series that when Dak fumbled the ball, right? He got hit. And yes. They, and they, yes. Blitzed, they blitzed off, off of uh, Terrence Steele's side, and he picked up one guy, and Zeke tried to get the other, and I don't think either of them were successful in blocking, and that's when they came through and caused the fumble. So they really never hit Dak, and I, I think I, I don't remember if they put him on the ground or the ball came out when he hit him. But after that, you know, it kind of got better. Uh, so maybe they're on to something with these two guys. The more they play, maybe they improve. And, by the way, they were getting help because there was a tight end over on Darren Steele's side uh, tight quite often. Yeah, and uh, Blake Bell got 33 snaps in the game, the second tight end for the Cowboys. Uh, the other thing, in fairness to Atlanta, Tack McKinley, uh, who along with Dante Fowler, their top two edge rushers, Tack McKinley only played 15 snaps in the game, and so he got hurt early, and so that helped the cause as well. And when you fast forward to Seattle this week, they've lost Bruce Irvin for the season now. He was one of the multitude wow. of players in the league who tore ACLs over the weekend, and so he's out for the year. They also lost uh, one of their uh, defensive backs as well for the season, and so the Seattle is hurting as well, just like the Cowboys have. And I know you got to go to well, a break here real say. quick, Bill. So uh, when we come back, i got a bone to pick with some folks. Hold up. I, I have some bragging to do myself. <laughs> uh, the, if I'm not mistaken, the last words by Mickey Spagnola was, good luck getting 38 points <laughs> without Tyron Smith at the tackle position. I picked 38-31. Okay, if you can talk about Greg the leg, I can talk about my guy, all right? My guy still came in, did a great job. Not only did we score 38 points, we scored 40 points. So take that smags with your smags with your little smart ass mouth. Hey, but you know what? You I, I also I also predicted a one point victory too. By the way, with Greg Zerline hitting the winning kick. Hey, you got your love. I'm trying to get mine, man. You got your love yesterday. And don't forget, I broke out the Sooner Schooner, and I yes, said you did, Bill. Thank you very much. Set up the game winning field. What a brilliant show, Mick Shots is. What a brilliant cast that we have here. We are so intelligent. All right, we continue with more mixed shots in a moment. <laughs> hey there, Cowboys fans. With Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery, cleaning your clothes has never been more convenient. Simply sign up at your local store, set out your dirty clothes, and one of our Tide Cleaners professionals will come directly to your home for a totally contactless experience. Your clean garments will be returned promptly the next scheduled delivery day, so skip the errand and enjoy life, not laundry. Visit TideCleaners.com or your local store to sign up for Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery today. 
most of summer with Ford, America's best-selling brand during the Ford Summer Sales Event. With great offers on a huge selection of Ford SUVs and the largest selection of truck inventory to choose from. Get huge offers across the Ford lineup. So grab the family and head out. Ford's helping you make the most out of summer. It's easier now during the Ford Summer Sales Event. Based on 2019 calendar year total sales. Based on auto data compact and full-size stock inventory as of June 2020. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Back, back, back. To mixed shots. Tour AT&T Stadium, the <laughs> home of the Dallas Cowboys. Run on the field. See the locker rooms and so much more. AT&T Stadium tours presented by SeatGeek are available daily. Visit attstadium.com for details. That is a very good sign right there that the stadium tours have started up again. You can run on the field, you can see the locker rooms, and so much more. In fact, I've got some friends, uh, Mickey and Everson, that they this weekend, they, they always have a youth football day at the stadium, and I think they said that uh, this weekend is youth football day where a lot of the uh, youth leagues around the area are, uh, are at the stadium playing games and stuff. Uh, high school football games kick off there this week. In fact, John Kitnes, uh, you know, he's the head coach. Uh, John Kitna is the head coach at Burleson High School, and That's they're right. playing a game at AT&T Stadium to kick off the weekend on Thursday night against their arch rivals from Burleson Centennial. Kitna's son, Jalen, is one of the top recruits in the uh, country. He plays quarterback for them. So, it's just a great feeling, Dr. Fauci, Mickey, that we are getting <laughs> back in. We got not only the Cowboys playing there, but we got other people playing games there. They probably have to double ster- sterilize the field afterwards, right? So it's ready for the next home game. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably true. All right. Um, Wow, I mentioned earlier uh, over the weekend, and, and uh, well, let's let's go back to Monday night, uh, Mickey. You probably were torn between two games: the Stars game, which they lost to Tampa Bay, and the Stanley Cup final is even at one apiece. But how about the Raiders last night? So they fall behind the Saints, who play very well in the first quarter, and then Drew Brees looks nothing like Drew Brees the next three quarters of the game. And John Gruden's Raiders debut Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas with a win. And they, they made it uh, known early on there would be no fans in the stands all season. 
in uh, Vegas, but uh, the Raiders are 2-0, and and they play the Patriots this week. So in this day and age, unlike when we probably all grew up, you can have two TVs going at the same time, okay? So I, had, <laughs> I guarantee you I had both games going at the same time, and I did uh, keep a good eye on that game, and, and, and certainly after the hockey game was over, uh, to watch the ending of the, the football game. And, boy, I was really impressed with what the Raiders did. Uh, you know, the Saints, uh, I think they thought they could do this without uh, Michael Thomas. Well, they couldn't. And, and uh, their offense did struggle, uh, you know, even though they, whether they end up with 24 points. Uh, they, that, that, there was a late touchdown there. They were stuck on 17 for the majority of that game. So, yeah, uh, I would... It, that stadium would have looked pretty cool with people in it, uh, but the it, it you know what the the thing that struck me is all the seats in the place, and I don't think they were covered up. Uh, the the seats were all black, so they were trying to recreate their image from Oakland. How strange was it seeing Jason Witten in a Raiders uniform? Wow, now that was weird. <laughs> that was strange. I, you know, he even felt like he was uncomfortable in his own skin out there. I didn't, he just looked, you know, he looked even smaller to me. I don't know, maybe it was the black jerseys, but that was, that just didn't seem like the Witten that I recall. I mean, good luck to him. Uh, I think he's landed in a great spot. He, he fell uphill at this point, which is a great thing for any player who's uh, at the end of his career. But when you start talking about Drew Brees and, and really any player that's up there in age, uh, you're really not going to get going. You're not going to really get into your rhythm, I would say, at least until the sixth game, especially coming from a quarterback position. Uh, I know when I was, as I got older, my, my, my body, my timing really couldn't get down the way I wanted it uh, between my, my brain and my feet until like halfway during the season as I got older that's when I felt like I hit my stride so you have to be patient with some of your older players I was talking about at age 32 these guys are pushing 42 uh, between Brady and Breeze and guys of that age so I think if they're able to last the, to the, the, the five, fifth or sixth game of the season I think you'll start to see some improvement in uh, Breeze's passing game. But at this point, he looks old, and I'm sure he's feeling really old. You know, uh, you look around the league, and uh, there were so many injuries this week. And I, I think there, the count was seven ACLs torn on Sunday. Oh. Uh, two defensive linemen for the Niners, Solomon Thomas and Nick Bosa. Uh, Saquon Barkley, and, and as far as the Cowboys are concerned, and of course the Cowboys will be playing the Niners this year. Uh, I mentioned the Seahawks injuries. Um, Saquon Barkley out for the year, ACL as well, and the, the, the Giants come here in a few weeks. Uh, wow, you, you wonder and whether an ACL qualifies as a type injury that uh, not having the offseason and training camp uh, probably debatable in the medical community uh, if that has any effect at all on it but you wonder about these injuries uh, and the rash of them across the league even more so than it seems like in normal years uh, that how much of it can be attributed to not having an offseason in a, in a uh, training camp and preseason games. You know, I think it oh, could, I think real, it could be that's... attributed to not having played 
much football. It's not just strength and conditioning. It's getting your body in situations that are not premeditated. And, and so you can do all these practices, but you know what your next step is, and you're not tackling, and you're not trying to run away from tackles uh, in, in, in practices. But when you don't have a scrimmage, you don't have any preseason games, and I know these guys don't play a lot of snaps in preseason, but you're still playing football. And there was no contact probably in the majority, if not all these uh, training camp practices. And now all of a sudden you're doing things that your body's not used to doing. I, I think it has a lot to do with it. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've even seen more because you're seeing less practice, less football type practice. And I'm not just talking this year, I'm talking the past couple of years with the new rules with the CBA. And then all of a sudden you're saying, okay, go out and play this game. It ain't that easy. Well, I think in this particular situation, you talk about the CBA. I mean, it makes a difference uh, and you will see some type of an effect uh, without a COVID off season. But, you know, that's why they call it practice, because you need to simulate. And uh, the, the guys, the body hadn't been simulating any type of a pass rush move. When you're talking about a guy like a Bosa, uh, when you're talking about running backs, uh, there's one thing to do running back drills. But when you're getting in a pile of players and you're trying to go against this defense, your timing. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on this show. Your timing is, is something that, that uh, you live with. That's your bread and butter. Uh, that's how you are able to put yourself above the rest because the timing that you have might be better than the timing of others, especially you're talking about unique athletes, guys like Abosa, uh, you know, who, who is accustomed to making his particular signature moves from the outside. Well, he hadn't been doing those signature moves in the offseason at all. He hadn't been able to simulate it at all. Next thing you know, not only does he go down, the defensive end on the other side also is gone for the season with the 49ers. So there's no, so co there's no coincidence that Barkley and all of these uh, great players have all of a sudden gone down during the early part of the season. That's why you need preseason. That's why you need a, 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 a proper training camp. And do we say that the, I'm sure the uh, uh, powers that be in the NFL, they knew that this was going to happen, but they had to sacrifice these particular players, whoever they would have been, just so happened as these particular guys. They had to sacrifice them for the sake of getting the season started, no matter how unusual, no matter how ill-prepared. They still had to get this season started, and they knew that they were going to have some players, major players, that were going to be sacrificed, and here we are. You know, Mickey, uh, the reason that they changed the IR rules, the, uh, the injured list uh, rules this year, is because of COVID. Uh, and with, what do you think of the – and I, I really like the fact that they've got the three-week um, – injured uh, reserve this year and the ability for players to come back and an unlimited number of players to come back. In this case, it'll be interesting what they do going forward when we get back to normal, knock on wood, next year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what, what do you think of the injured, uh, the, the way they're handling injured reserve this year? Yeah, I think it's a, a really good thing. And now the, the litmus test is going to be, can you trust these teams 
to put guys on IR who are really hurt and not like back in Everson's day and stash guys on IR for four <laughs> weeks because you didn't want to cut them and you made up an injury. Uh, and it got to the point there in the late <laughs> 80s where they had to send independent doctors to your practice to make sure the guy you put on IR really had an injury and to make sure that guy wasn't really practicing, but he wasn't on your 53-man roster. So that'll determine if this continues, because I think it's a good thing. Three weeks instead of, what, six to eight? Uh, but again, if, if teams start to take advantage of it like they did back then, then it's going to go, all right, you put them on IR, you're, you're done for the lengthy period of time. Don't you miss those days of dishonesty? <laughs> it was so much fun. Everson, so I remember. I, we were defined by that. Everson, I don't remember who the quarterback was, but it was training camp in Thousand Oaks, and and th there was a quarterback they wanted to keep, but they didn't want to. They they didn't want to put him on the main roster. And I specifically remember the story they told him, okay, on this play, you're going to run a bootleg towards our sideline, towards our camera, and when you almost get there, you grab your hamstring and start limping off. So they ran the play, and the guy forgot to grab his hamstring, and it's like, okay, if he's not smart enough to do that, he can't, stay, he can't take snaps. Uh, you know, I think he grabbed the wrong hamstring. Yeah. May have been that, that may have been the <laughs> Hey, I have a question. I have one question before we take a break. What's going on with D. Lawrence, Spags? He's got a... Uh, what happened in the game? Yeah. We never talked about it, did we, we yesterday? No, we, no, we didn't. He, he ended up uh, with a knee injury. I, I don't, it was a sprain, uh, and it happened uh, early, uh, either right at the end of the first quarter or some point in the second quarter. And so that was the reason why uh, they, he turned into like a designated pass rusher in the second half. And he only played like, um, I think it was 30, 30, 34, nah, 37 percent of the snaps, 28 snaps he ended up playing. But that was the reason. He wasn't getting benched like some people probably tried to figure out. Man, they have been roasting him. I know. They and have been roasting his, him. He hurt his knee. And you know what? He got off to a really good start. He had some early pressures. Uh, he, he, I think he had a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, and then he, he suffered the injury. So we'll see where that goes this week. Yeah, that'll, that'll be big to find out uh, what's going on with Lawrence as the week goes on. He was credited uh, unofficially with five tackles yeah. in his 28 snaps early in the in the game on Sunday. All right, we continue with more mix shots in just a moment. Hey there, Cowboys fans. With Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery, cleaning your clothes has never been more convenient. Simply sign up at your local store, set out your dirty clothes, and one of our Tide Cleaners professionals will come directly to your home for a totally contactless experience. Your clean garments will be returned promptly the next scheduled delivery day, so skip the errand and enjoy life, not laundry. Visit TideCleaners.com or your local store to sign up for Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery today. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. 
Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys, and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. What do you call a group of grown men and women who get together every week, proudly wearing the star, to share a three-hour-long ritual of cheering, shouting at the TV, and raising their Miller light together while yelling, how about them boys? You call it Miller Time and Cowboys Nation. Here's to the only beer of the Cowboys celebrating 60 years of greatness. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. Celebrate responsibly. 2020 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Hey, Cowboys fans, ready to spice up your next watch party? Bring Yokiero guacamole and be the game day hero. Yokiero means I want, and we know you want, great, fresh-tasting, ready-to-serve guacamole for your home-gating and tailgating events. Made with real avocados and the perfect blend of spices, it will be the star of any party. You can find us at your local Albertsons or Tom Thumb in the deli section. If you can't find it, talk to your store manager and tell them, Yokiero, Yokiero guacamole. Back, back, back. To mixed shots. Celebrating styles and design worn by players and coaches over the last 60 years, the Dallas Cowboys Pro Shop introduces New Era 1960 Headwear Collection. Find the full assortment at your nearest Cowboys Pro Shop and on shop.dallascowboys.com. All right. Last 10 or 11 minutes here of Mix Shots for this Tuesday. And the show is called Mix Shots. And so now it is time for a Mix Shot. I'm ready to shoot here. Right Take your now. shot, Mick. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I kept hearing all day yesterday how uh, the Cowboys stole the win, they didn't deserve to win the game. Uh, you know, you can't play football like that and, and think you're going to win in the NFL. Well, Help me here. Did Atlanta deserve to win that game? They gave up 570 yards on defense. (laughs) They gave up 40 points to a team that was playing without their starting two offensive tackles, without their starting uh, tight end, without uh, their starting linebacker that was very important to, to that defense. They lose to Marcus Lawrence. Uh, in the game and only played a little bit. And they allowed Dak Prescott to throw for 450 yards. And you're telling me they (laughs) deserve to win the game? No. And they got three takeaways and and foiled two fake punts. And they still didn't score enough points to win the game. So tell me who deserved to win the game. I guess both of them can't lose. (laughs) But again, the Cowboys scored 40 <laughs> points. So I don't want to hear that mess. There. There's and my what I love about the Spags, what I love about Spags is the fact that the Cowboys also made so many mistakes. Of course, we know what happened in the beginning of the game. The, I think it was four fumbles. They lost three. Uh, how our defense held on. I will never, ever understand. And when you look at the, 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 not just the first quarter, but even the fourth quarter, I think we started the fourth quarter with, with Cooper dropping a beautiful pass and a beautiful route by him down the field, I guess about 20 yards. Coop felt he heard some footsteps. And let's just be real, he dropped that ball. So that's when we're trying to make the comeback. 
Then, of course, we talk about the block on C.D. Lamb. We talk about uh, having to overcome the uh, incomplete, the incomplete call. So the Cowboys had a lot of excuses to lose this ball game. And I'm like you, Spags. I'm looking at it the other way. They did all they could to win on top of all of the mistakes that they made. And to me, that's the different Cowboy team. That's the difference in the Cowboy team last year and this year. We would have done everything we could to lose this game last year. But what we did was we did everything we could to win it. And to me, amongst all of those mistakes, that was the, 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 the final uh, I guess outcome for me is being able to see how much they refused to lose this game, which is what they would have done uh, last year. They would have lost this game the last couple of years. Hey, what do you think was, uh, aside from the final seconds of the onside kick and so forth, what do you think was the key sequence in the game, the key moment in the game that uh, gave the Cowboys the real chance to win this game. I may be a little too vague with it, but I've got one I'm going to point out. And then, you, anything pop to mind? Yeah, I'll I'd g- say I'll give Cooper's you. one-handed catch. That was huge, and that was huge. Uh, not just the time that we needed it. Say that again, Mickey. Just I lost the, you. Uh, inspiration that it gave the entire team. I thought that was uh, something that made people say, "Okay." We gotta, we're still in this, and we're not playing to lose. We are playing to win. No, no dinky little underneath passes. We went for it, and we made it, and it kept our momentum going. So for, for, me, I, uh, for me, it would have been, Bill, the sequence in the fourth quarter that started uh, with the Falcons having the ball at 457 after the Cowboys cut the margin to 39-30 and, and didn't get the two-point conversion. Uh, they were, the, the, the Falcons, uh, the Cowboys had called timeout with 439 left. It was second and 12 at the 33. And this has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Falcons Cowboys. through to that point, and I think it was like 35 they finally, finally registered their first sack. Everson Griffin sacked Ryan uh, on that second down play, and they had to face a third and 18 at the 27. Uh, and the Cowboys got a stop. It was one of the only two stops they got uh, after the first two in the game. They had converted points on eight of 10 possessions, but on that possession, they stopped them got the ball back at their own 25, and then that's when they drove down uh, and scored the touchdown to get it to 39-17. That sack had a long ways to go for them to win this game. Should they they have tried to pass the ball? Should the Falcons have even tried to pass the ball during that series, Spags? I thought it was a mistake. Second and 12, yeah, and I guess they, they figured they better... You know, go for it and try to put this game away because they were—they certainly were—they—they—they uh, they, they ran the ball on first down and uh, Woods came. Xavier Woods came in and dropped Gurley for a two-yard loss, uh, and, and so they yep. ended up passing on the next two downs. And the Cowboys got the ball back with uh, 2:57 left after after the punt. So yeah, you would have thought maybe they should keep running, they right? Made. 
Yeah, in the Super That's Bowl. That's the exact mistake they made in the Super Bowl. Yes, they did. That's the same problem that they had, and that's why Quinn may not have his job at the end of this year if they don't do better. What do you got, Bill? <laughs> My, for me, it was um, it was the, uh, the Julio Jones drop of the touchdown pass on the Russell Gage uh, throw in midway of the third quarter, and then the cal- which if he catches that ball. Atlanta leads 36 to 17. They get it back up to a 19-point lead with seven minutes to go in the third quarter. And then the offshoot of that is the second play after the Cowboys get the ball. It was the unbelievable catch by Amari Cooper where he reaches out with one hand and uh, and for 58 yards to set up. And the Cowboys turn that into a touchdown after Dak leaves the game for a couple of plays. Uh, and comes in, and then game on at that point, it was 29-24. And uh, so I, I, I thought that sequence, the Julio Jones drop, the Amari Cooper catch, where the Cowboys all of a sudden are down there in scoring position, was a huge sequence in this game. It was. So you didn't think Julio Jones heard footsteps from Trayvon Diggs trying to catch up from behind? <laughs> <laughs> Julio Jones was worried about that hamstring, even though his hands worked fine. Right. That hamstring was always on his mind, and it affected totally the way he played. He showed a lot of courage, but he didn't have as much uh, output as he wanted. I'll put it that way. Okay, and then finally, we got two minutes left here. We don't have enough time really to get into it. But the two-point conversion decision uh, to go for it, down nine and going for two, I think you you got to kick it there. And I know the analytics may say uh, go for two then. I said, yeah, in my opinion, it's a been a, always been a pet peeve of mine. You make it a one-score game at that point. Yeah, he and, called I, and it, I think he said it was simple math. Yeah, he called it simple math, Spags. I don't know that math. I, I, I don't know that math. You know, I graduated too, so I never saw math come up like that to where you know we're going to put ourselves in a deeper hole and have to score twice as opposed to go ahead and securing that score. You know, that one uh, uh, extra point, and then go for eight, go for two, if you get an opportunity to score again. It's pretty simple. Yeah, that, that's and, simple math. I don't know what kind of math he's talking about. And to me, you always want to keep extending the game. Don't c- c- create a finality before it's really over. And I think when you gamble like that early, you're saying, I'm going to have to recover an onside kick uh, to, to be able to uh, <laughs> win this game, right? And, 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 and if you look at what happened last year with the new rules on the onside kick, I think only 10% of the onside kicks were recovered, where previously it That's was true. closer to 17 to 20%. So uh, my, exactly. my analytics exactly. well, no say one, no that one those else. percentages aren't with you. That if, and, and, and I always look at it, what, what happens if I fail? Because if I fail, then, then here's the circumstances. You don't look at it as, oh, yeah, I'm going to get it. Well, no, okay, fine if you get it. But what happens if you fail? Have you ended the game? And that nearly happened had they not recovered that onside kick. And I got, I got, we got to go, but I got one more point on that is when, when you don't make it and you're down nine, let's say the Falcons go down and kick a field goal. Now they've got a 12 point lead on you, meaning you have to score two touchdowns. But if you With kick less it, time the, on the clock as well, but, uh, if you kick it and they go down and kick a field goal, now you're still in position to score a touchdown 
and a field goal and two point conversion to tie and force overtime. Anyway, so okay, you got to you got to make sure shots. that next possession doesn't get a sack in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> All right, we continue with more mixed shots tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about-